Um, hi guys, so I'm Ty and today I'm going to explain a little bit about the web of emergent cyclical resolution, which is basically just this graph that I created. Um, I'm going to be doing some screen sharing and then also some um, answering some questions and kind of explaining my thought process in making it. Um, so as I try to figure out how to screen share, here it is. Um, let's see. So I'm going to explain this graph. Feel free to give it a little bit of a look. Um, I'm just here with my little kitty, Najee. Um, and we are going to explain to you what all of this means. So I have a list of questions that I'm going to go through and answer. Um, so first, just to read through everything. Let's see, I can annotate stuff. So just give it a little look. See what stands out to you. Um, and then I'm going to start with talking about how I came to create this and discover these cycles. So, Web of Emergent Cyclical Resolution. You may see this and be like, wow, that's a lot. What am I even looking at right now? So, first, the first thing that I drew on this graph was birth slash emergence. And you can see that all of the, let me annotate this. You can see that all of the names of the circles, all of the names of the circles have matching colors to the outlines of the circle. So for example, birth slash, e slash emergence. This is purple and the outline of that is purple. This, And then same goes for emergent relationship repair. It's green, green, ritual is red. So you can see all of those correlate, first of all. And then this on the side, there's a bit of a explanation of how to use this graph. So relationships to other beings include all beings and also other forces like institutions and belief systems. Feel free to read through this part a little bit first. And then how did I come to discover these cycles? So I was originally inspired by Kai Chen, who I will link in the description box. And her transformative justice graph, which was originally, I'll also include a link to that, but it was more focused on harm reduction, safety, accountability, and dealing with things without necessarily carceral justice, like, you know, prison and um, punishment measures, dealing with conflict in a community in a transformative way and not just a bypassing way. So I saw that and 
being a one-on-one -on -one somatics practitioner, I thought, well, I have so much training in one-on-one -on -one work, but most of my work has been in connection with community. I've worked in community centers and you can't just separate the individual from the community. Sorry for the traffic noises outside. Um, so that's how my thought process started. And then I thought about how to connect just individual body and soma to the larger collective. And I thought, what better way than to take a holistic view of my life cycle and all of my lived experience to start a circular psychograph. So I honestly felt like I agree that punishment shouldn't be the only, shouldn't be used like solely or relied on for transforming um, a society or transforming on an individual who's done harm. So I just start, I was just like, let me just start with what I know. Um, and let me note that also I did have conversations with Tata Hozumi and we talked about, um, he inspired me for Container for Conflict because we had kind of discussed how there should maybe be a container for conflict and not just saying that conflict is bad and needs to more, not conflict is bad, but more just centering conflict. Like it's an essential part of our lives and that we should at least have a container that can hold it and not allow violence and harm to get out of hand. So that's how I started. Birth slash emergence, you know, I started with my birth. Then after that, um, you know, what comes after birth, you're learning through your parents and other beings. So that can be plants, animals, ancestors, non-human kin, and institutions and belief systems like religion or school. Then after that, you start developing a foundational dynamic attachment to other beings. So what that means, what that means is That means that, okay, that's confusing when I do that. Sorry. Um, that means that you're not just seeing this other being as just floating around in space. You have an attachment to the being, whether, let's say, for example, your parent, you know that they're constantly you know that they're going to be part of your life for a while it doesn't matter if the attachment is secure like you're you see them and 
your nervous system is calm or if it's insecure, like you have a lot of nervous system disruption around it, you it's dynamic, it's constantly moving, but it's foundational for your um it's a foundational relationship where all where other forces of beings can start coming in, such as your belief in religion, for example, or certain beliefs about certain groups of people or school. And then after that, rupture in relationship. Rupture in relationship. So, no relationship is ever going to last forever with a human being. So, since we are human beings, we're temporarily here in this body, one time or another, there has to be a rupture in our relationship, an end, a break, a breakup, a parent leaving, somebody dying, something like that. And when that happens, which it inevitably will, there'll be a huge sense of grief. There'll be soul loss and unlived potential. So what I mean by that is that Anytime you've gone through all of this building, all of this trust, all of a sudden it's gone. What do you have in its place? Emptiness, a lack, a sense of loss. And sometimes that lives with us, that unlived potential. What could this relationship have been? How will I ever be myself without it? Soul loss something that a lot of curanderos and curanderos know um, as part of like indigenous Aztec knowledge. Um, and that's a big part that inspires me when I say soul loss. So thank you to indigenous cultures and elders. And after that, what do we do? Brokenhearted searching. What happens when a relationship ends? What happens when we don't know what to do? When somebody dies, when somebody leaves, when there's a hole, we have a broken heart. And maybe we grieve, we grieve for a bit, we grieve for a while. Eventually, some searching to fill that emptiness because we're feeling that isolation and that loneliness. And that happens right when the rupture in the relationship happens, isolation and loneliness, a break. And from that place, we want to create new, maybe we want something to take its place or to create a new place, but we're still brokenhearted. So the searching can lead to yearning, longing, just a sense of 
after your heart breaks, sometimes you yearn for that person. Sometimes you yearn for another person. Sometimes you yearn for anything, a sense of belonging, coping. When we're brokenhearted, sometimes we use drugs or alcohol, sexuality to cope, to deal with it, to numb ourselves. And inevitably connected to that, violence and harm. So going from brokenhearted searching into overlap with container for conflict, violence and harm. Coping is numbing ourselves. Our nervous systems are not attuned to a sense of safety for us. We are able to interact with these external forces of violence and harm because we are disconnected from ourselves. We are disconnected from a secure attachment and all of the very potent forces of our own birth and our own learning and developing attachments. So violence and harm, whether it be relationship abuse, family abuse, verbal abuse, any kind of physical harm, anything, we connect that to community just because brokenhearted searching in the isolation, sometimes you come to community, but sometimes that community is more harmful than you might have hoped because you're coming from a place of loneliness and yearning. That community can be a bypassing community, it can fill a hole of what's not there anymore, but you can still accept it sometimes because it's something. And a lot of times that community can be directly interwoven with these yearning, coping, and harm. And when you come into community, you know, you can't have conflict alone, right? I mean, you can but we're relational beings. So when you come into community, you need a container, especially if the community is big. You need a, a dedicated, safe container for conflict. And in this container, safety, harm reduction, accountability slash power analysis. So I took these from Kai Chung's graph because I honestly wasn't that knowledgeable about this, but I have seen examples of container of conflict in community. And a lot of times it can look like, um, 
lack of accountability and lack of power analysis and lack of safety. So just the awareness on these things, I think add to um, a space where people can, can have conflict, a space where people can say, call each other out, challenge somebody for transformation, challenge the rules, challenge authorities, and where it can not just be pushed aside, but it can be held. And when it's held, say for example, in a lot of societies by an elder um, or by a designated person who's in charge of these processes, there's definitely a sense of trying to discharge a bit of the harm that's done. And that can look like so many different things, but the main purpose is resp accepting responsibility and transformation. So I don't think we can really fully understand in our minds all of this, but that's where ritual comes in. Ritual is part of all of this. For me, ritual is a practice that has intention. So birth slash emergence, I'd say that sex is like a ritual because it's a practice, right? It has a number of steps, it's a routine, it's a dance, and it has an intention, which is not necessarily always to have to birth a child. Sometimes it can just be to connect or have pleasure, but it's still a practice, right? So then learning through beginning relationship to other beings. So that's also a practice. We make eye contact with another being. We feel a plant's energy. We touch a cat on its skin. Whatever we're doing, it's with intention, and we begin to repeat it. We practice it. We're creatures of habit. So we practice these skills, and they become second nature, first nature, whichever one, you know what I mean? And then developing foundational dynamic attachment to other beings. So once it's really natural to us, this will happen. And when this happens, there's a certain level of expectation of stability, of integration into the soma, into the body, and, and it's not just on the outside, it's in your soma. Then, rupture in relationship. That's a practice too, right? We think about a breakup, practice crying every day, sense of deep loss, 
leading us to coping mechanisms, which are definitely a practice, definitely a ritual. It's an act or a behavior, something that we do over and over, like a dance. When I say like a dance, I'm definitely inspired by semantic poetry of Tara Hazumi and Dare Sohei. So, all of these steps are like dances, no matter what it is, where in the cycle we are, these are all moves, they're all steps that many of us go through throughout our lives. So when we go back into emergent relationship repair, that's once somebody has done something harmful in traditional societies, they're welcomed back into the society once into the village once the harm is discharged once there's been a ritual to leave the violence in a contained space and not just chaotically bring it back, integrate it into society's soma, into a dance that's broken and lonely. Ritual, a dance that I want for our society to be reparative, powerful, deeply feeling and connecting. Emergent relationship repair. We're relational beings, right? We don't just exist alone. We come out of our parents' womb. Welcoming home. After all of that, after you have a big fight with your friend, after you have a big community call out, after after any of that, after you trash talk your ex, suddenly, not suddenly, but eventually, no matter how much time it takes, right? No matter how much forgiveness it's going to take us, we're eventually welcoming home. There's a dissolve, dissolving of that peak nervous system state here of just complete sympathetic nervous system, right? That fight or flight that, oh my God, I have to, I have to tell everybody about this. I have to fight this person. I have to leave all of that that comes from violence and harm and the process of dealing with it in this society that does not offer a great container for conflict. Maybe in a healthy commun community society, there is a process that allows gradual discharge, gradual return to rest and digest nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system. And then there's an apologizing, there's a repair, 
and they eat together, rest and digest. They eat together and they dance together and they talk together. But here, this peak state can last for a long time or when it becomes discharged, it feels like, so this graph is not always meant to be taken in this direction, right? The direction that, I sh that I've been going in. It's how I created it, which I'm talking about the creation. Can go non-linearly. So it can always go back, you know, back into coping because the peak state is too much. You're too stressed about the harm that happened from your ex. You're too stressed about the community call out and no action taken. You go back to substance addiction and there's no harm reduction. So this container for conflict is very essential. You see it's red, right? So I'm gonna start. It's essential, it's essential for us to work on this part as a society. If we want to have a healthier collective nervous system, okay? a more embodied, if we want to feel more embodied, if we want to not just feel like floating minds, if we want to have greater connection to our physical health, to the foods we eat, all of that, this is a life cycle of how it happens, not just an intellectualization, okay? Not just we need to end prisons, yes, we do, but how? Sticking with the nervous system as a craniosacral therapist, as a cultural somatic student, I look into this with the softest cycle of life, which is why it's cyclical. And my grandma, too, has a love for circles and many circles paintings around her house. The circle is, it's, it's life, you know? We're born, we die, everything that happens in between. The circle is a symbol of life and death and transformation in so many traditions and cultures. So emergent relationship repair, all of that that happened and we come back to this emergent place. When we're born, we are emerging from another place into this world. When we go through this whole cycle that we do go through, and each stage feels so extreme often to many people, because this is what life is about, you know, suffering, suffering, you know, working, working that out, trying to process that. Liberation, liberation, welcoming home, returning home. We talk about liberation. I think that's that Tibetan Buddhist concept that I'm really tuning into here. Emergent relationship repair. It's not completely repaired and maybe it will never be the same. Your relationship to that person, to that ex, to that community, to whatever relationship was ruptured but it's emerging. We're not perfect. We're not fully there necessarily, 
holy shit, have I not? Oh, sorry for cursing. I just thought I wasn't recording this. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was embarrassing. Okay. Um, yeah, how do I get back there? Um, yeah, so <laughs> back to that. I got very immersed in that. So returning home. Returning home. How do we repair the harm that's done in our individual lives, society, the world? Returning home. And it brought to my attention that by Tata, I'm very, I'm very inspired by his um Discourse, I'm not, I'm, it's hard for me to put things in words sometimes. That's a skill that I do need to practice. This feels like a good start. Returning home. Complete transformation. Ancestors, plants, animals, non-human kin, soma integration, future and past quantum existence, death. So obviously, when I created this, I knew that the last cycle around was going to be death. And a sense of non-linearness, you know, quantum existence, everything happening at the same time, soma integration, all of these cycles of rupture, of learn building and learning and rupture and processing and repair, just all coming together into your soma, into your body. And all of the non-human kin. So this is collective evolution. We're not just talking about humans. Humans aren't the only beings that exist on this world, even though many would like to think so. There's plants, so many medicinal herbs, so many animals, so many ancestors, non-human kin. And that's a transformation. So maybe we start here and we end here. Maybe this is human incarnation. Maybe it's for a cycle that's hard as heck, but maybe that's for growth. Maybe that's for collective evolution of the human collective nervous system and the non-human collective nervous system. And this maturity idea, once again, is also inspired by Tata. And I'll link his work below just because I've been very inspired by it. So some more questions from my interview. What aspects of it are you most excited about bringing through your own being? All of it, honestly. I created this in such a flow for an hour to two hours. And it's just so, it resonates with my heart. And I love how that I can just use it if I'm going through something, it's something that can be applied. It's something so natural. It's not a pyramid, it's not a food pyramid, not a 
nervous system pyramid. It's a bunch of circles. And how do you think we're made? A bunch of circles, a bunch of cells, a bunch of worlds, a bunch of cycles. Uh, you use the word resolution in the title. I'm thinking of the word as it's used in somatic therapies and also in a spiritual sense of completing learning slash conscious experiences, if that makes sense. How do you use it here? Well, how do I use, let me clear this, drawings, okay. How do you use it here? Well, my purpose of this, as I said below, tracing the emergent cyclical nature of my own lifetime guided me to create this while thinking of a framework for societal repair of harm or oppression. I created this out of brokenhearted searching of what to do in a society that feels broken in some ways. And this was a ritual to create it. Intention, creating circles over and over, using discourse that I've been inspired by over and over. And just the idea that people, people want, people want repair, people want resolution. We're driven by this cyclical nature of life and death and existence, okay? And the reason that I say emergent is because I have a sense of a tendency of perfectionism, but just kind of allowing myself to be in that flow state, be in that place where so much is unknown, birth, you know, so much is unknown, what's going to happen, you know, coming back home, uh, starting new, a new relationship with the society, with the person. So much is unknown, but you're there, you're present, you're bringing your soma into the space and it's emerging. So I was originally had heard this word emergent from Adrian Murray Brown, emergent strategy. I haven't read that book, but that's just a word that I love because it's gentle, it's soft, and it's loving. You sense that any one or few areas is of particular interest for you right now, for the collective body, yes. Container for conflict, as I said earlier. We need a container, okay? We need a container for all the violence and harm that's been happening. We need ritual, container, intention, practiced over and over so that we don't keep engaging in this broken and lonely dance, okay? That's putting black people in cages and prisons and murder, okay? Rituals to connect with that. You say learning through 
beginning relationships as opposed to learning through relationships or beginning relationships. Just curious to hear you unpack this and what it is about beginning relationships that's especially rich for the newly birthed. Or maybe I'm missing something, in which case, what else can you say about this section? Learning through beginning relationships. It's, yeah, it's learning through beginning relationships. So I think a lot of this is neurobiological based. And when we begin a relationship, what happens? Our body begins to learn a new habit, a new truth, a new tendency. So I say learning because I'm having a nervous system focus with this graph. Um, you know, all of this is relational. When we come to interpersonal neurobiology, it's all about what happens in the nervous system at each phase. In the beginning phases, you either develop secure attachment or insecure attachment to different beings, to parents, to human family members, to animals, to plants, to ancestors, non-human kin institutions, religions, all of that. And you, the process starts with learning because that's what happens when neurons interact. It's new information taken into the system, taken into the soma, which is your body. So you're learning because of new beginnings. And new beginnings are here and in emergent relationship repair. And that's where a lot of healing trauma can happen. Um, when you're born, it can be traumatic. When you develop relationships to these beings around you, it can help heal some of that, bring some safety into that. See what else, what else, what else? What else can be said about ritual in the center? What does it look like in practice? Or maybe more interestingly, what is its impact? What happens when ritual is missing? So I think what happens when ritual is missing is that there's a whole spilling out of what's in brokenhearted searching and what's in conflict. And there's a lack of processing in those two, um, in those cycles that require more emotional resilience, more nervous system resilience, more elderhood, more rites of passage, more rituals to be able to process as a human being. Okay, and that's where a lot of people break. That's where a lot of people might break and stay in that cycle and stay in that cycle until death, which death would be them going, returning home. Um, I spoke to Ritual a bit earlier to transformative justice approaches are receiving more attention now than they have in the past. And I think this graph was inspired by Kai Chung Tom's transformative justice praxis graph. Yes, it was. 
what's new to me about yours is that it places conflict within a much larger context than other maps I've seen. Why did this come through you, so to speak, do you think, or what does this add? Um, I, sp I spoke to this earlier about container for conflict and um, one story is that my grandma told me in other societies, in some societies, I forgot, sorry, I forgot specifically which ones, but there'll be one day a year, everyone just comes together to fight. They de discharge all of that fighting aggressive energy. And when that's done, there's more harmony within the society. It's not chaotic throughout the whole thing. We need a healthier acceptance and holding, holding, you know, there's a lack of respect for elders who in many traditions would hold the conflict, hold the beings and in love and allow that processing to happen. Um, what impact could observing these rhythms and conscious awareness have on individuals and society? I think that it could lead to a lot of processing for people, especially at the stages of grief, of loneliness, of sadness, of harm, of confusion, of isolation. I think that it can allow people to feel witnessed and seen. We learn about so much in school, but do we learn about the cycles of life? Do we learn about emotions or rites of passage or lack of elderhood or how to deal with a broken heart? We don't, you know? not in this society. And that's part of why things are so broken in terms of broken and lonely dances of violence. What do you think people might inadvertently misunderstand about this graph and what and or what sections are complex, subtle, more profound than meets the eye? I think that I, it's hard for me to answer that question because I understand this graph on such a deep level. I think it's out there for other people to take what they will, do interpret it how they will, apply it to their life how they will or won't. And that's my hope. It's a cycle. It's open. It's open to interpretation. It's open to nonlinear um, analysis, linear analysis, whatever. It's out there. And, you know, a cycle is very relatable, a circle is very relatable, a pregnant person is a circle, fetus is, you know, in a spherical, you know, womb, and um, so, yeah, it's a natural sense of naturalness. And let's see what sections are more complex, subtle, more profound than meets the eye. Ritual, probably, because it's something that we are disconnected with often. And then returning home, I think that's so many subtleties there, very profound. I think that a lot of the somatic and craniosacral work that I do goes goes there and kind of builds a bridge between, you know, the earlier stages and in between 
the earlier stages, the difficult processing stages, and that kind of builds a bridge, which allows us to have more faith and more resilience to process those things, to process the brokenhearted searching the container for conflict. What was it like to make this graph and share it with others? It was lovely. I loved it. And I love sharing this now. I know that um, it's hard for me to express all my thoughts in a succinct way, you know? So hopefully, if you listen this far, thank you. <laughs> because it usually takes me, you know, maybe 10, 20 minutes to fully get into something, into the flow of it. But I hope that um, people are enjoying just the heart flow space that has been created from this graph. I hope that other people can have that connection. I hope to hear other people's feedback, good, bad, whatever, you know, whatever feedback. Compliments, criticisms. Uh, just I ask that people keep in mind this was created from my own processes. So if you are going to criticize it, then keep that in mind. I'm not saying, wow, this should apply to everybody. Everybody should see this. I'm saying I created this from my heart, from my life, from my experience. It may not apply to you. It may. Take what you will. Take what you resonate with, as always. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks for listening to this. If you listen this far, congratulations for listening to me talk for so long. And I would love to hear any feedback that you have. Um, so yeah, graph professor Ty out. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm not a professor, but I'm a somatic therapist. And I think a lot of the observing natural cycles and holistic just softness and gentleness and processing within the body really inspired this, as well as studying attachment um, styles and attachment theories and animist theories. Um, wait, maybe that's not the right word, just animism. And my own connection with stinging nettle, plants, cats, forests, um, my own process with dealing with so much uh, just trouble, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and that's how I got to somatic work through this cycle. And I'm grateful for the cycle. I'm grateful for the possibilities of repair and emergence and contained conflict and dances that don't lead to broken loneliness, but rather to collective wholeness. So thank you and collective processing and joy and pain both welcome so thanks for listening to this and see you next time <laughs>